Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey, guys. Welcome. Appreciate you coming back today for our next episode Always glad that you're here and looking forward to diving into verse number 12 of Mark chapter 11 as we uh, trace the footsteps of Jesus a little bit here in this chapter on this last week of his earthly ministry. So when you think about the life of Jesus, think about 33 years. And 30 of those years were lived in relative obscurity. We know, of course, the events, some of the events of his early, early life. We know about Bethlehem and going to Egypt for a year, coming back to Nazareth. We know about that one event in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was 12 years of age, when he was there in the temple. We know that event. But really, other than that, for those first 30 years of Jesus' ministry or life on earth, we know nothing. He inaugurated his ministry with his baptism, and for the next three years about that, Jesus ministered publicly. So the public ministry of Jesus Christ, about three years long. And here we are at the very end of it. So Mark chapter 11 and verse number 12, uh, Jesus has entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's gone back to Bethany that night, that Sunday night. And now in verse number 12, and on the morrow, do you see that verse 12? On the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Interesting. So he's getting up in the morning, he's going back to Jerusalem, and he's hungry, which is, there's there's a lot there. I mean, first of all, remember that Jesus is all God, and he's all man. And as man, he feels what you and I feel. He is subject to pain and to fatigue and to hunger, and he's hungry. And interestingly, his entrance into Jerusalem would have been after a night's sleep, after presumably breakfast. So we don't know all that went on that morning, but there's just something very special and something, I think, very organic about the fact that Jesus is hungry and wants to have something to eat. But even in his hunger, he's going to teach us a more important spiritual lesson. Reminds me a bit of what Jesus said to his disciples when they returned from Sychar, uh, when he Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. They had gone into the city to get some food. No doubt they were hungry on their journey. And when they came back, they offered Jesus food, and Jesus didn't take the food. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My my meat is to do, to do the will of him that sent me. So Jesus always subjugated his physical appetites to his spiritual priorities. And that's a great lesson in and of itself. Verse number 13, so Jesus is hungry. Verse number 13, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves. So figs would be a a nice little treat for somebody in Israel. Maybe you even like to eat figs, but figs would have sugar and would be a good pick-me-up. 
It'd be kind of like the Snickers bar of the day, right? So Snickers satisfies. We know that. So the Bible says, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. I'm looking not for a, a, I'm just looking for a fig or two. I'm looking for a way to satisfy my, my hunger. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. And I don't want you to miss that little uh, term there. He found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. For that tree had not yet grown figs. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of this, no, no man eat fruit of thee. So he spoke directly to the tree. No man eat, well, so that's strange. Well, he spoke to the winds and the waves and they obeyed him. So he's, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So what can we learn here about the cursing of the fig tree? I think a couple things. First of all, we learn something about the humanity of Jesus. And remember back in the New Testament time, especially the time of the epistles, after Jesus had died, was buried, rose again, and the apostles began to start churches and write the epistles and uh, truth is being clarified. It's interesting that uh, in the uh, writing of, of those epistles, uh, the, the, the ministry of Jesus was clarified in some doctrine. I don't know where I'm going with this now. Well, I, I am having a senior moment. What was I going to tell you about that? Mm. Oh, yeah. This is it. But I tell you what, one day you're going to be 56 years of age and you're going to lose it too. So here's what I was going to tell you. So in the epistles, especially in the epistles, the general epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they make a big deal about the fact that Jesus is, Jesus, Messiah came in the flesh. The Son of God is the, is also a man. So the, the chief doctrinal error in the first century was that people didn't believe that Jesus, the human being, was the Messiah. They said, well, the Messiah came on the human being, Jesus. Or Jesus, the human being, really just appeared to be a human being, but he really wasn't flesh and blood because all matter is sinful. That was a Gnostic heresy. So one of the errors in the early church was people denying the humanity of Jesus. And, and I think passages like, like these are important to point out that Jesus is a human being. He ha has hunger and gets tired and feels pain and all the other things. He's tempted in all points like as we are, the only difference being we sin, he didn't. There, there's, the, there's the point. So I, I see, first of all, in this little story, uh, the humanity of Jesus. But not only that, I see a great lesson. Often in the Bible, a fig tree was used as a symbol. And Jesus already has several times in his ministry used the fig tree as a symbol of Israel herself, like a fig tree. And that ought to bear fruit. Why? Because Jesus ought to rightfully expect that we would bear fruit for him. Should that not be the expectation of, of the Son of God, that those whom he saves, uh, those whom he loves, uh, those whom he serves would bear fruit? If you were a gardener, you would expect that as you plant plants, they would bring forth fruit. I would dare say that if you planted an orchard 
or planted a vegetable garden and it didn't bring forth fruit, you wouldn't spend all your time weeding it and working out there in the hot sun trying to help those plants to grow. If they never produced, you would just not do it. And Jesus gave an illustration once about a fig tree that wasn't bearing figs and for year after year, it didn't bear figs. And finally, it said, let's give it one more year. Let's fertilize it and give it one more chance. But if it doesn't bear fruit, then let's tear it out. Let's cut it down. Because all it's doing is sucking up nutrients from the ground and not producing anything. And the point here is that what God plants, if it truly is the nature of what has been planted, an apple tree, a pear tree, or whatever, a fig tree, that it's going to bear the fruit of that kind. So it ought to bear fruit. And there's obviously, you know, the application already. And that is, as believers, we ought to bear fruit. Jesus talked just about this on the, on the last night of his life in the upper room in John 15 about uh, he is the, the, the vine and we are the branches and we ought to bear fruit if we are abiding in him. If we find our source of life in, the, in him, we're going to bear fruit. So fruit bearing is an indication that that, that that tree is healthy. And when a fig tree had leaves, now this is important. When a fig tree had leaves, the, the fig on a fig tree grows at the same time, sometimes even a little bit before, but certainly at the same time, we say that concomitantly, at the same time as the leaves. So if there are leaves, that is an advertisement that there is fruit. If there are leaves, that is an advertisement that there is fruit. So from a distance, you can't see the fruit. The fruit's small, it's obscured. But from a distance, you can see if a tree has a lot of leaves or not. So in Virginia right now, we're just the leaves are just about to come. We see the buds on the trees. It's early spring, but pretty soon we're going to see all those leaves. And you can see a tree that has leaves from a distance. You can see if a tree is bare from a distance. So in, in the case of a fig tree, if you see it full of leaves from a distance, then you can rightly expect that upon closer inspection, you're also going to see fruit. Now, you can't eat leaves. Leaves aren't what's valuable. What's valuable in a tree is what it bears, the fruit that it bears. And the story here is that Jesus has this expectation, this anticipation, this hunger, and yet that anticipation, that expectation, that hunger goes unfulfilled because the tree is guilty of false advertisement. It's nothing but leaves. From a distance, it gives this overture that, hey, I've got fruit. But when you get up close to it, it has nothing. It's no good for the needs of people. I wonder sometimes if that's not me, if that's not you, that we advertise from a distance, oh, I'm a healthy Christian. I'm a fruit-bearing Christian. And those of us that are th those that are not close to us, that see us just in distant ways, in public ways, in superficial ways, might even assume, wow, that's a very fruitful Christian. Look at all those leaves. And yet those that are close, right next to the trunk, those that are close in proximity, proximity, like the Lord, or like family members, 
they will tell you a different story about your fruitfulness. And while you might advertise that you're very fruitful to people from a distance, that way up close, it's a different story altogether. What a convicting thought. And what did Jesus do? He cursed that fig tree. Now, what's really interesting about cursing that fig tree is when he did it, the, the, it didn't wither up and die right then. Now, it could have. I mean, Jesus can do anything. He could have just called down fire from heaven and burnt it up right then. But Jesus simply said, I curse you. And the Bible is careful to say, and the disciples heard it. So now the tree has been cursed, but it doesn't look different. It, it, its sentence has been passed, but it, it looks like the same old tree. When, when they walk away, it looks just as healthy as when they were approaching it. So is the word of Jesus here failing? Is the word of Jesus here not uh, somehow losing its power? Of course not. Now, when Jesus declares something, then it's going to happen in his time. So Jesus is giving a lesson here, not about not only about fruitfulness, but even about judgment. That sometimes the declaration of judgment, the indictment, precedes the actual punishment. And, and that's so true even among human beings. The Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. That's John 3 and verse 36 or John 3 and verse 18. So the point is that indictment can be just as real, even though on the outside, it may not look like anything has happened yet. I think about some of the footage I saw of the tsunami. Remember the tsunami that took place some years ago? And you see these people that really didn't know what was going on. They saw the sea receding and they just thought that was a novelty. Wow, all the water, the, the, the shoreline is getting smaller. And look at how the water's receding all the way back. Little did they know that what was apparently a calming time was really prelude to great judgment. And that's what's happening here. Jesus has given his word. When he gives his word, it's sure. It looks like nothing has happened, but really this is prelude to judgment as we shall see in a future episode. Don't forget what Jesus said here. We're going to come back to it. So I hope that helps today with just a couple practical applications. We're going to uh, stop there in verse number 14. We'll pick it up again in verse number 15 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.